Welcome to Sitting Sportside. Today is Wednesday, October 26th, and the Panthers are going to the playoffs, Peyton. I'm all for it, dude. I'm on the train, baby. Let's go. PJ Walker. I am back in uh, 100%. It's playoffs or bust. Addition by subtraction. This team is actually good. Um, yeah, PJ Walker. Yeah, I'm telling you, my jersey's getting some life out of it. It started out as a meme just to get a jersey that sh- with a guy that shared the same last name as me, but I've got to wear it for like two solid seasons, and he's a contributor. I mean, he was the third best third best uh, quarterback in the league last week. I mean, delivering strikes, throwing the ball deep, throwing the ball accurately, leading the offense, and and beating Tom Brady. Um, it, you can't be you can't be disappointed with the results from the fourth string quarterback. No, and I almost think it. It's got to be like a revenge tour thing, right? Like he's definitely sticking it to uh, Matt Rule, right? I feel like everybody's sticking it to Matt Rule. Um, you know, PJ was PJ's in a tricky spot. You know, he's he's one of those OOUs, um, as, as they like to call him in the Panthers locker room. One of us. Uh, he is one of us. He's a he's a Temple guy through and through. Um, but he's had success outside of Matt Rule. He had success at, in the XFL. Um, and I think he's going to make probably a backup career out of, out of the rest of his career. Um, thanks to, you know, his XFL and these performances, he's two and one as a starter straight up in the NFL, um, which is nothing to, to be ashamed of. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. Um, it's almost like Steve Wilkes was like playing to his team's strengths and like actually not trying to force things. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's quite impressive to to kind of watch this week. I mean, I was literally we went to go get lunch uh, Sunday morning before the game started, and uh, I was telling kids, I was like, you know, um, I'm done with the season. Uh, we want to lose. We're I'm cool with losing. I'm gonna watch, uh, support the the loss. We're gonna get a draft pick. We're rebuilding trade all the assets and then come 430 we win 21-3 and you know we're we're going back to the playoffs and we're fully back in um and and Steve Wilkes is going to turn it around I mean uh, who wouldn't want to play for a Charlotte boy like that did you the video that he uh released from the locker room man that it was inspiring man it felt like there was like actually energy in the locker room and not just like all right uh we're gonna do this process we're gonna like what was it that Matt Rule always said? He was like, uh, just wait. Like, we're right on the cusp. But like, no, it feels like Steve Wilkes is like hitting the ground running. And he's like trying to make an impact from day one. Well, if you keep telling people you're almost there, uh, th- they'll keep believing you paid. And then you can keep collecting a check for millions of dollars every day. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, it's it's really refreshing just to feel a little bit of excitement coming out of the Panthers camp. And especially with the news about CMC leaving. Like, honestly, I was quite down. Uh, I think he was one of the positive points of our team, and I was kind of sad to see him go, and it was just really cringe to see him in a 49ers jersey. But then after Saturday, uh, the dominating performance from our defense, uh, I'm like you, I'm all in. Yeah, I mean, it looks like we got a different Ben McAdoo calling plays. He's he's calling routes that are giving receivers the ability to get open. He's getting people open uh, by design and PJ's throwing balls that are not getting bad at the line. Um, And I think it's PJ's job until, until otherwise, because definitely don't want Baker back in there at this point. Do you think PJ has a, which is crazy to say, which is absolutely crazy that we're sitting here 
five, seven weeks into the season saying, oh, no, I don't want Baker anywhere near the field again. Do you think PJ has a shorter leash than most quarterbacks would just because he's that low on the depth chart? Like when Sam Darnold comes back, is he going to be yanked out of there? Or do you think Steve Wilkes is saying that this is our guy? I mean, the only pro quarterback we haven't seen this year is Sammy D. If PJ, if PJ starts playing bad, why not? Why not go ahead and give Sammy D a try? We're we're paying him eighteen million dollars. We might as well uh, see if he's got anything good for us. We're we're gonna need a backup quarterback next year. None of these guys are under contract next year. We only got one quarterback on contract next year, and that's Matt Corral, who's coming off gonna be coming off a Liz Frank injury. Um, so, you know, somebody somebody's playing for a backup job here. Very true. I, like I said, I was just excited to see any kind of positive light coming out of the Panthers camp. And it, just thinking about how much crap all those guys have been having to deal with and just thinking about the pent-up frustration and the energy that they had, it must have been like a, a sigh of relief. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a while since, uh, since our last episode, um, you know, where we kind of threw on an emergency episode. Matt Rule had just been fired two weeks ago. We sit here today where – one and one in the Steve Wilkes era. We have no CMC. We've picked up a second and a third uh, and a fourth round draft pick this season. And um, we're a half game out of first place in the division. So what what can you say? The the NFC South sucks this season, so that anything can anything can happen. Yeah, it's we're definitely not at rock bottom. Uh lots of upside. Do you think that the the value that we got for CMC was worth it? I personally thought that since we're trying to rebuild a team, we're trying to do this, we're trying to do that. It seemed like good value for us to get those picks. Yeah, so I like the picks. Um, you know, surprised they didn't try to hold out for a team that had a first rounder. Um, <clears throat> that second rounder for San Francisco is, you know, probably going to be a late second rounder. Um, they're going to be a playoff team, you have to think. Um, so those second, third, and fourth rounders are going to be towards the back of the rounds. Um to be honest, I'm kind of surprised that the Panthers didn't try to get the 49ers to include Jeff Wilson in that deal. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., the rookie running back they just drafted. Um, I know the Rams had a similar offer, a second, third, and a fourth round draft pick with the addition of Cam Akers coming over to the Panthers, which is kind of surprising hearing that. You know, I know we have Chuba and Dante Foreman this season, but looking ahead – um, you know, is Chuba going to be kind of the number two back moving forward? Are they going to keep Dante Foreman? Do they have another plan? Are they going to look in free agency? Um, you know, we could have gotten a young running back basically for in the deal, uh, would have maybe been something I would have liked to see. Yeah, I, I totally get that. I feel like I bet a lot of it honestly was CMC requesting for the 49ers because I feel like he, it was a homecoming for him almost going back to California. Yeah, yeah, I mean. He's going back to to the California area, but there were there are two California teams in. And at the end of the day, um, the 49ers, 49ers compensation had an extra pick in it that the Rams didn't have because they had made a trade last season with the Patriots, um, giving up a fourth rounder. So, uh, you know, Fitterer, Scott Fitterer really wants to, it looks like, you know, rack up the draft picks. Um, I think it's a bigger testament, though, that we turned down two first-round draft picks for Brian Burns. Um, that's been reported already. 
Um, and you got to think that that was coming from the likes of the Philadelphia Eagles, who have um, not only their own first-round draft pick, but they also have the New Orleans Saints first-round draft pick. That would have given us three first-round draft picks next season. Um, you know, got to think Brian Burns is worth it to to not give that up. But, you know, uh, that's definitely a, a nice compensation offer there. Yeah, I, honestly, when the news broke that we declined the trade offer for that, I was kind of surprised because if we're getting rid of CMC, I'm surprised they're not getting rid of the whole house. Uh, but honestly, I was really happy to see it because it keeps our defense intact. And I think it shows that uh, management and the coaching staff is like on the same page that I am feeling that our, our defense is a powerhouse and we don't need to rebuild our defense. We can focus on being a good defensive team and just kind of get the pieces around to make our offense going. And I mean, we saw it last Sunday where with a four-string quarterback, if we execute, we can win football games. Dude, that's the that's the thing here is this team doesn't need uh, um, some super overhaul. We have an offensive line that before last week um, had had the same starters throughout the entire season through six weeks. Um, of course, Pat Eflin went down last week and Bradley Bozeman came in uh, just to be graded as the highest rated center for the entire week. Um, you know, Matt Rule just had him sitting on the bench. No big deal. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we've got an offensive line, which is something that the Carolina Panthers have really struggled to be able to say confidently over the last couple of seasons. Um, and I guess the question is now Peyton CJ Stroud or Bryce Young. <laughs> you don't think Kenan Hooker's in that, in that list? Not as a number one overall pick. There ain't no fucking way. <laughs> no, uh, I'm anti-Ohio State quarterbacks, dude. After Justin Fields, I feel like every time teams draft these quarterbacks from Ohio State and they don't play any competition, it's the same thing with Clemson. They don't have any... They're not tested enough for me. Maybe that's SEC bias, but I've been hearing too much about Clemson in my ear all week, and I'm just tired of it. Interesting. Yeah, I mean... Out of that list, I would definitely prefer uh, CJ. Or, not CJ, Bryce Young. God. Definitely not CJ. Interesting. I think I'm actually team CJ right now. Uh, I think he's more pro ready and I don't like the small quarterbacks. Uh, we, we've seen that in Baker and uh, I, I don't need any more short quarterbacks. I mean, this might be a hot take, but I feel like in today's NFL market, as long as you're getting a consistent performer that just takes care of the ball, then that's all you need. Like think about the situation in, uh, New England right now, like, yeah, Daniel Jones hasn't looked the best, but Bailey Zappi's stepping up and just being... Uh, Mac Jones? Mac Jones, yeah, sorry. Uh, and Bailey Zappi's just stepping up and being... Uh, like, he's known for being careful with the ball. He protects the ball. He's not going to turn over the ball a lot. And if it's good enough for Bill Belichick, I feel like that should be kind of like a hint of like, hey, maybe we don't need this, like, superstar quarterback. We don't need somebody to step up and be... Cam Newton. We just need a Daniel Jones, like a consistent performer that scores enough points that our defense can kind of take over. Yeah, I mean, what the what the Giants are doing with uh, DJ and um, kind of being able to have a solid defense. I mean, they're they're five and two or five and one, six and one, whatever it is, and you know, at the top of that division with a team that you know nobody had any faith in. Now. You know, are are they going to make a playoff run? Are they going to make a deep run? I, I that's yet to be seen because um, that offense definitely can't hang um, if you're hang if you're scoring a lot of points. But 
Yeah, I think the Panthers should definitely look at the New York Giants mold uh, as as we hire a new coach and kind of see, um, you know, what's possible. We've got the defense, we've got the young pieces, and just really need to share up the quarterback play. That that's why Matt Rule was fired. He couldn't find a quarterback. He could never have consistent quarterback play. And if you don't have quarterback play in the NFL, you're going to be out the door. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and looking forward, uh, our next game is against the Falcons. I think the Falcons are a bigger test than Tampa Bay. I think uh, the Falcons are the team to beat in the NFC South. Yeah, I I mean, we win this game. We win this game. We're in first place in the division. And, you know, uh, a couple weeks ago, if you told me we were going to be first place in the division, I would have called you a crazy person. So, um, you know, I, I can't be, you can't be, you can't be upset a half game out of the division. We're two and five. Yeah. It's not pretty, but n- nothing's looking pretty right now. We're in the NFC. Anything's possible. Um, but you know, vibes are high there. There's positivity for the, for the Panthers, at least somewhat. Um, and I'm sure that'll all come crashing down again this week, just when they give you a little bit of hope. Yeah. Uh, it's also interesting looking forward because we have the Falcons and we have the Bengals and then we have the Falcons again. And in my recent memory, I have, can't recall a time where we played the same team twice in three weeks. Like that's, I feel like that's going to bode well for the Falcons and not bode well for us because it's going to give them a better chance to get a read on our, what seems to be limited offensive scheme. I mean, yeah, but we could have a whole nother quarterback. That's true. So, uh, but, uh, no, I, yeah, the NFL scheduling has been a bit weird. They've been doing uh, kind of three-week schedules for for these division games. I know the Texans and Colts have already played twice. Uh, kind of already got their division games out of the way, which is kind of weird to have them so quickly. But, I mean, got to play the division, got to get it done. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you win your six division games and four other games, you're going to the playoffs every single year. So, hey, let's uh, let's let's keep it going. And I think we're I think we're three point underdogs in that game. So Yeah, I'm I'm surprised it's not more, but I'm excited. Oh no, we're four we're four and a half point underdogs, but it's this one's down in Atlanta. And then in two weeks we actually get a primetime game, Pate. We get to watch the Carolina Panthers on Amazon Prime. Let's go. I'll be at four corners on Chapel Hill watching that one every Thursday night. Uh nothing like a little primetime TV on Amazon Prime. I think the only thing that would make it better is if we were playing the Broncos on primetime. No, that would make it worse. <laughs> Nobody wants to watch the Broncos. We have to watch them in London this week. I'll be asleep for that anyway. Don't forget to set your fantasy lineup at Mike. Yeah. The 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 London the London game is here yet again and uh Broncos Jaguars. Yeah, I mean, I'm not waking up special for that one. Um, I mean, I'll be up early, but I'll be driving home that day, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, I really want to know the uh, the viewership numbers. Like, I get that the NFL is trying to, like, put it in, like, reach out their market, but how many people are actually – is it actually being effective in growing their market in Europe, is, I guess is what I'm trying to get at. I don't I mean, know. It's I, this is the, there's four, there's going to be four Europe games this year. Yeah, that's probably true. And I don't know if it's just they packed the lower bowl or if it's actually full, but it seems Oh, no, it's cool. it's sold out. They sell them out. I mean, Goodell was talking a couple of weeks ago about a whole division in the UK, putting four teams over there, so. 
That's got to be tough on the players, right? Yeah, I know. Uh, I think two weeks ago, Green Bay traveled, and uh, some of their players were talking about how a shitty situation it is. They've got a, you know, you travel nine hours across the pond. You got the time change of six hours, depend six to seven, five to seven hours, depending on where you're going in the UK. Um, and then, you know, you play a game and you get back and you fly back and you've got another game in a week. Um, I think the NFL, the NFL talks about player safety. And again, again, here's another example of the NFL not caring about player safety, um, getting on planes, long flight, long travel, long t- time spent in planes, um, quick turnarounds, and then, you know, um, not getting a bye week the week after. Uh, to to kind of recover and get back on to a more uh, appropriate schedule. But, hey, you know, we as fans get to watch football all day, so who cares, right? That's true. Go football. As long as as long as long the NFL has somewhere to sell some ads, uh, who cares about player safety? Did you see the, uh, the hit on Justin Fields uh, last night? Um, well, I'll, I'll be real honest, Pate. I thought that game was going to be a snooze fest and I went to sleep. <laughs> That's like one of the only football games that I've got to watch him as of really, as of late. But, uh, he got sandwiched in between two people. And I know that people on Twitter were saying that that should have been a roughing the passer. Roughing the passer is, uh, soft. The, the NFL is the no fun league. Um, Probably shouldn't have been roughing the passer, but with some of the calls that we've been seeing uh, these days, it seems like touching the quarterback is is grounds for a roughing the passer. Yeah, it, it was a no call, but I guess the reason why that I'm bringing it up is it felt like out of all the hits that I've seen on the quarterback that have been called roughing the passer, that one probably was the most roughing the passer, and it wasn't even called. I, I get frustrated with the, the ambiguity of the rules and stuff like that, and it just seems like... There's not a clear way to define what that is, and it just kind of takes away from the game because you have people that are recklessly hitting quarterbacks not getting called, and you have people that are not hitting the quarterbacks and getting called, and it just seems to like completely kill the flow of the game. I don't know where I'm going with this rant, but I'm just tired of it either not being it or it is being it. I don't know. No, I <clears throat> I think I def- I mean, I definitely agree. Um, there's not consistency. There's different different uh ref crews call different penalties and there's no consistency week in and week out and as a fan of the game and where you kind of see and where the nfl has the product going which is you know heavily getting into bed with the sports books um gambling is becoming you know the forefront of nfl sunday whether it's daily fantasy or fan FanDuel sports books um and and you don't want these you don't want the game being decided by refs, especially with all of your partners being sports books. People yeah. don't like losing bets because of the refs costing them the game. Which then brings to the question of uh I feel like the NFL is one of the only sports that you really can't take that human element out of the game because you, you hear all the talks about baseball having the automated umps, and I don't think you could really do that with football. Unless there was literally like a drone that just like flies down on this on the field and like has throws the flags on the field and it's like no the people in the booth say that's a flag. Yeah, Maybe. I think what I mean there needs to be some kind of standardization, whether that's 
you know, a booth and everything being video reviewed or, um, you know, the end of the day, I think that's the only way to go is having a video review system and having penalties that are reviewable and overturnable. If the flag is called on uh, roughing the passer, that roughing the passer can be reviewed. Um, we have to make sure that we're holding these refs accountable um, and it can't be at the discretion of the refs to overturn a reviewed penalty. We saw that happen last year with pass interference um, and none of those pass interferences were get, that were challenged were getting overturned because the refs didn't want to admit that they were wrong. Um, there needs to be somebody else looking over these calls and, and providing, you know, a neutral perspective uh, because the refs can't, that we have to take the game out of the zebra's hand. Oh, I have two, two ideas of what could happen. We have option one, which is probably more logical. How unrealistic would it be to have somebody that watches every single play and then before it's even reviewed, they kind of have an idea of like, hey, if this gets reviewed, we're going to overturn it, et cetera. That way it doesn't kill the pace of the game. Because I feel like a lot of the times when you have these challenges, it takes like a minute, two minutes, et cetera, and it just kills all momentum from the game. Well, that's the thing is, I don't, I feel like if it's in, if we have a mobile booth or a sky above you know, the ref doesn't have to wander over to the sideline and find the video recorder. Like, you know, when we're watching a game on TV, we see the review, uh, we see the replay immediately after it happens. Like somebody in the booth is going to immediately see that, can see it, and then make the call. I don't know why review the review process takes so long. Um, it, it's actually insane. We have all these camera angles, all these people watching the games overturn the call, look at it, make the decision, and then let's get back to the game. And then my second option is we use Thursday Night Football as like a test thing for Jeff Bezos' drone army. And we have no refs on the field whatsoever. And these drones literally swoop down and throw flags at the players to commit fouls. And then they like play on the speaker like that was a foul. But are the drones have cameras in them or are they just programmed to to see and read Pen uh, like. there'll be like somebody behind the camera like an actual ref behind the camera but the drones are just there that way like there's no fighting with them because you literally can't fight with the drones or like you can't dispute their call like it's literally somebody is like operating these drones they're watching the game and they are the ones controlling i guess the pace of the play of the game like they I guess they, I don't know. I guess I don't understand why they need drones, though. Why not just use the cameras that already exist? Well, that's what I'm saying. But the drones are there to be like the pseudo like refs. Like they're just like robots that like completely take the human element out of it, except for the fact that humans are behind cameras watching the game and like saying, oh, that's pass interference. And then like they send the drone out to be like, that's a flag. So they're still yeah. refs, but they're just not on the field. They're behind a camera. And they're watching the replay like we can see. Certainly an option, um, and, and we I think we, we agree that the NFL has to do something about it. Yeah, probably not the drones. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't quite get the, 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 the drones. I, I'm not following uh, the difference in drones and having somebody in New York just reviewing the place uh, kind of already. In. But you can't have, you, you can't have one, one group of refs calling Tom Brady getting tackled in the backfield late or roughing the passer. And then Sunday night football, the same thing happens to Patrick Mahomes and it's not pass, roughing the pass, passer. There has to be consistency. Um, otherwise, it's all just a sham league and it's, uh, it's rigged. So I get that. I get that. 
Uh, what college football game other than your alma mater are you most excited for this week? This week? I don't even know. I mean, it's tough not to get excited to watch the Ohio State Buckeyes take on Penn State, uh, headed over to Happy Valley. Um, you know, we get to watch our potential new quarterback play. Uh, Penn State's defense is pretty good. Of course, Michigan um, kind of dismantled them last week. Uh, but still, I like Ohio State. C.J. Stroud is a great deliverer of the ball, and he can throw the deep ball. Um, I mean, of yeah. course, that's 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 a top game, um, one that I'm pretty interested in. And then, of course, uh, the Tennessee Kentucky game um, just kind of been a uh, been keeping up with the balls this season. Um, and they're wearing some pretty sick jerseys this week, if I do say so. Dude, I'm pumped for the jerseys. I know a bunch of the uh, the old guard are not happy saying that that's not Tennessee colors. But for those that haven't seen them yet, uh, they are completely black pants, black cleats, uh, black helmet. Everything's blacked out. And then the accent color is orange this week. Um, I'm all in for it. I think it's sick. I think the last time we wore them, we got blown out. But I think the majority of our games, we've gotten blown out in the past wearing any jersey. Uh, so hopefully we can... Another demon to conquer this season, uh, black jerseys, W. Uh, pretty excited about that. The one thing that I am kind of skeptical of, and maybe this is just me being a fuddy-dud, is there's been rumors going around that they're going to do the checkerboard black and orange this week. I'm not a fan of black and orange checkerboard. In the end zones? Yeah, in the end zones. I, I no. I mean, it is hallow. It is Halloween weekend, so you know you got to get in. You got to get into the season, Pete. It is Halloween weekend, and it's going to be a night game too. But I just can't get behind it. I know that the where we usually do the checkerboard in Neyland, they're doing checkerboard, but instead of white and orange, they're going to do black and orange. So that's going to be pretty cool. And I guess if they do that, then it would look cool if they did it in the end zone. But something about it just doesn't look right to me. Yeah, I mean, anytime I see orange and black together, I can only think of Halloween. Um, but hey, it's a it's a big game. Kentucky's coming to town um another potential nfl quarterback uh on the other side there and and chris rodriguez as the sec's leading back but that kentucky team has been up and down and uh, uh hopefully tennessee can take care of business and set us up for what would be the third time tennessee would be featured in game day the following week <laughs> there's no way they come back but that'd be insane has its school ever been featured three times on game day well Good they year. wouldn't well it it's not in knoxville so they wouldn't be back in knoxville. Oh, okay that okay, game's okay. in Ath- that game's in athens so that would be wild for sure but headed down I, to athens for the georgia tennessee game i sure i I'm pretty confident they'll pull it off. The only thing that I'm worried about really is that uh, this is the game that Kentucky decides, hey, we were, what, preseason number, like, weren't they, like, preseason number six or something crazy like that? Like, they're a strong, high-caliber team, and they finally wake up and they're like, hey, uh, we can do this thing. And then, I mean, when you're at the top, everybody's going to be coming for you, right? So. No, I mean... It's a, it's a scary spot for Tennessee to, to be in right now. I mean... Because not to say Kentucky's a bad team, but it's kind of a trap game, you know, where you're coming off of a big win over Alabama two weeks ago. You had a tune up game against UT yeah. Memphis or whatever, <laughs> some cup, cupcake school that, that got paid a million dollars to get the, the brakes beat off of them. 
Um, you've got a Kentucky team that's maybe not as dangerous as as you're hoping for. Um, and you've got number one Georgia on the schedule next week. Um, so it's, you know, yeah, it's it, definitely- it could be a trap game. Could be a trap. Definitely could be a trap game. Definitely a little bit worried because our secondary is kind of beat up. And I know that Levis likes to go deep. Um, but overall, I'm excited for it. Um, it's just, it's fun to be a part of this ride of Tennessee football being relevant. 12 and a half is uh, the current line right now, <clears throat> which, I mean, it's just, Kentucky has been so up and down this season. It's it, it's just tough to have a, a feel on what Kentucky is going to do. Um, and if you can trust Levis to, to, to play the whole game, um, if he can stay healthy. Which, that, that brings to another thing of <clears throat> Levis, possible NFL quarterback next season. Um, Panthers could be in a spot where if we start winning some games and, you know, find ourselves in a seven through 10 pick, I don't want, I don't want an injury prone quarterback. He he's already had injury problems. Um, I want nothing to do with the Will Levis in Carolina. No, we definitely need a a guy back there that would be a workhorse, somebody that's not injury prone, somebody that can be a consistent Peyton, if we win a couple games and we're drafting eight to twelve, <laughs> then the conversation could turn to a Hendon Hooker. And I don't know if my mental could take that. I mean, it's a lot. It's a, definitely a lot. I mean, the the only thing going for the Panthers is that next season we got a bunch of dead cap space, so it's going to be a tough year to to sign free agents, but. What they do at the quarterback position is is all we're going to be watching. Yeah, and just to touch on Hendon Hooker, a bunch of people, I was going to ask your opinion of this. I, for one, don't see it as an issue, but a bunch of people have been saying that Hendon Hooker is the second oldest quarterback in NCAA right now. Uh, I think he's only a couple months younger than I am, and I'll say I was supposed to graduate in 2019, so that would be three years past uh, (laughs) what a normal quarterback coming out of college would be. Well, didn't uh, Joe Burrow do that? Didn't he come? Didn't he graduate from LSU his last season? He was like twenty-four. Yeah, he came out later. I honestly think it's a good thing. I think it's allowed him to mature as a quarterback, and I think it's allowed him to really settle into like a pro-style offense. So it's almost like minor leagues for the NFL in a way, even more so than college usually is. No, yeah, I, I don't think it it matters too much. Um, you know, it it's really about being being efficient being mature like you said and um you know just just making smart decisions with the ball which which we've seen Hendon Hendon especially do over this last season um and you know if if that's where we're picking it's it's not a terrible choice but you know I, if we're going for a quarterback I'd prefer to just tank and and take one of these top guys that uh the upside is is very high yeah, I, I definitely feel that that uh, I'm. I don't know if it's because I'm skeptical because he's Tennessee's guy right now, but I don't know if I would necessarily want him to be the Panthers' quarterback just because I would lose my mind. But on the flip side of that, then I could actually see him play on Sundays sometimes, so that would be kind of cool. Um, but segueing back into the Kentucky Tennessee game, I'm really excited because uh, Tennessee's wide receiver number one is apparently supposed to uh, make his reappearance this season. Well, that's that, that timing couldn't be better. I mean, uh, 
injuries in no time, no time like a week before Georgia to get healthy, um, get get back into the, the flow of things um, against a team that's not Georgia and gear up because, hey, win next week and it's looking like a trip to the SEC championship. Yeah, and it's also big exciting because I feel like as bad as it sounds that Cedric Tillman going down, it's really allowed Jalen Hyatt to come into his own. And Jalen Hyatt is our wide receiver number two, and he's currently leading the, the nation with uh, touchdown passes or touchdowns. He's got 12. Yeah, I mean, he's been playing out of his mind. I mean, five touchdowns against Bama, just an absurd stat line, seven receptions, 300 yards, whatever it was. Um, the Vols got some weapons, um, and Hendon is putting them in a position to win, uh, which is certainly exciting. Uh, it's it's a great day to be a Tennessee Vol. Uh <laughs> But also, so we're not only talking about Tennessee Vols, we can segue and talk into, uh, I briefly want to touch on this game, the TCU-West Virginia game. I feel like this is a big test for TCU. Uh, I want to cheer for the Mountaineers. That way there's no chance for TCU to sneak into the college playoffs. But I think it should be an exciting game. I think it's going to be a shootout. And I think the over-under for that game right now is 69, and I would definitely take the over because I feel like um, just the explosiveness of TCU's offense and how little defense I feel like is going to be played in this game is going to be fun to watch. Dude, TCU has been through a ringer this season. I mean, they have to have what is probably, you got to think, one of the hardest schedules um, in college football this season. They have played a ranked opponent almost every week. Um, I'm pulling up their schedule here. They played the last four weeks. They went Oklahoma win 55-24 at Kansas, 19-ranked Kansas win 38-31. Um, then they were at versus Oklahoma State, 8th-ranked Oklahoma State. And then last week, of course, they had 17th-ranked Kansas State, and now they've got West Virginia. I mean, the Big 12 here is kind of turning into to a bit of a, you know, um, a thorn in TCU's side here as, as they're kind of going through the gauntlet and they were down that Kansas state game, I think four, 17 at one point, uh, just kind of battled back there. Yeah. I mean, it, it was definitely a thriller. Uh, I feel like TCU's strength of schedule is just proven to the fact that uh, they deserve the spot more than Clemson does. I'm honestly surprised that they're ranked seventh uh, and I'm, Really curious because I think uh, this week is the first week that the committee uh, for uh, like the bowl games comes out, like the rankings. And I'm curious to see if they have them rated higher than Clemson. Because as I'm looking right now, TCU has the 15th toughest schedule in the uh, country and Clemson's is at the 24th. So I would hope that the committee sees that TCU has been putting in that work and that Clemson really hasn't played anybody other than Syracuse. I just can't believe, speaking of Clemson, that... uh... Dabo is sticking with DJ moving forward after after benching him last week against the Cuse. Yeah, I mean, how does as a if you're on that team and you see that happen, like how does the team not realize like, oh, Dabo is not 100 percent confident with this guy going forward. So why should I be? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's uh, the the benefit of having two five stars, uh, five star recruits on the bench, but. DJ has not shown us anything great over the last two seasons. And 
I don't know if it's Dabo just not wanting to give up or if Cade Klubnik isn't ready, but he looked ready last week. And, you know, you got to think DJ's leash is getting very, very short. Um, I mean, they got to finish up these last four games. They got Notre Dame, Louisville, Miami, and then South Carolina. Um, They got to finish them up strong. The the really only game that could be of any risk is, is Notre Dame. Um, maybe, and you know, you don't know what you're going to get with the Irish this season. I'm hoping that it's the, uh, the preseason expected Notre Dame shows up because I, I really want to see three SEC teams in the college playoffs. I cannot imagine having to watch Clemson just get the break speed off of them by any team that they play. So what you're, you're thinking Ohio state and three SEC teams. Either that or anybody but Clemson, man. I just can't stand this idea that Clemson's going to be in the college playoffs when they literally have lost to – they lost to – or, excuse me, haven't lost to anybody this this year. But just the – I'm looking at South Carolina's list right now because um, South Carolina is actually 5-2, and two, and it actually might not be a cakewalk now that I'm looking at it. No, yeah, the South Car- South Carolina has been a team that's, that's kind of turned it around here the last couple of weeks. They started out – um a bit questionable but um yeah i mean i think there's there's two games here on on clemson's schedule that that stand between them and 12 and 0 and a date with the unc tar heels here in charlotte for the acc championship yeah and just looking at clemson's schedule like they've played like i know syracuse is good this year but it's syracuse man you played them close you only won by six and then you look at florida state who's been like an iffy football school for since Jameis carried them, and it's like, oh, six points from that. And then you look at the NC State game, and it's like, oh, 10 points. Uh, it's just like Boston or Wake Forest, like all these teams that have traditionally just been bad. And the Clemson's been like close and like almost lost every single time. Like, it's not like these teams are playing out of their mind. Like, Syracuse played as expected, like, Florida State played as expected. And like, uh, the number five team in the country should not be this close with these teams. I mean, Clemson was down 11 with five minutes to go in that third quarter. Yeah, and then I guess the Clemson donors called and were like, hey, uh, we're going to wire you some money. What can you do? Yeah, uh, I I don't know. The DJ Uyunglele's leash is definitely quite short. Um, and, I mean, Drake May could could be the ones to, to slam the door in Clemson's face in the ACC championship. Which brings us to the game of the week. Clemson, I mean, UNC Tar Heels versus Pittsburgh, 8 p.m. in Chapel Hill. Going to be in town for the game. Not going to the game, probably, because don't feel like spending money on tickets, because that seems like a waste of money. Um, but yeah, the, the Coastal's on the line. It's it's right here. Beat Pitt, and it basically ensures that we're going to the ACC Championship. No, definitely a big game. Uh, looking at the ESPN predictor right now, ESPN has it as 67.3% Tar Heel win. Which I'd say it's probably pretty accurate, but still nothing to scoff at and still a little bit nervous about that game. Excited to be having you back in town, watching the game with all of our friends. It'll be a good time. Yeah, I mean, the the line is only three on it right now with the over-under being at 64.5. Um, I mean... Look, all we got to do is take care of business and win this game. And then the, the rest of the, the Coastal is pretty much ours for the taking. That would put us at 4-0 in the 
in the conference um, with still Virginia and Wake Forest to go. Um, Virginia, Wake Forest, Georgia Tech, and State left to play. Um, with I mean, Wake Forest and State could be a could be a tough one. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I definitely think the the heels can handle business. It's going to be an interesting clash between a team that wants to pass the ball with the heels and a team in Pitt that wants to just run the ball and put you to sleep. Uh, I think uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce their leading rusher's name, but he has 959 yards and 13 touchdowns this year. And I distinctly remember when they were playing Tennessee that their running attack was pretty serious. Man, I'm just sitting here looking at these this slate. I, I'm going to cook up another juicy weekend parlay, pay. I I know I was chatting with you this weekend. I hit a Saturday college parlay of three teams, and then Sunday we hit a four-team parlay. Um, I think I went eight and one on the weekend. It's uh, vibes are high right now, and I, you know I, I'm seeing the board with a different level of clarity right now. Got the Drew glasses on right now. I mean, yeah, it's I, I got 2020 vision. I'm only seeing winners right now, Pate, and. You know, I we, hey, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna get on a little rant here. Sunday afternoon, 3 p.m., I had to go to a wedding <sighs> in the middle Brutal. of NFL Sunday. That's just in criminal. The middle, in the middle of sweating out the Giants Jaguars game, Giants money line plus 140, riding for the last 30 minutes of the game. I watched on ESPN's updater the play-by-play on ESPN as the wedding began and the ceremony started. I just got to say, if you have a wedding during NFL season on a Sunday afternoon at 4 p.m., please put a fucking TV at the reception. (laughs) No TVs at the reception? No TVs, no nothing. Nothing. I'm just sitting there watching on my phone. I mean, I watched on my phone the whole time. But it, it was brutal. It was brutal. It was brutal. It was brutal. And, you know, as as someone that plans their weekends around NFL Sunday, it it just wasn't ideal to to be watching, to be forced to watch NFL Sunday on one small, tiny phone screen. Yeah, that definitely does not sound ideal. And I think it shows uh, kind of uh, your the person's wedding that you attended, what his Sunday plans are. Maybe he's not a football guy. No, he's a big football guy. Giant football guy. Oh my god. Big man. sports guy. Uh, yeah, exactly. I don't even know. It was and now crazy. He, he's gonna have his anniversary for the rest of his life during football like football season. Well, I think it was it was um the wedding date was also their the one of the parents uh anniversaries. So I think that, that had something to do with it, but a generational uh, issue. Yeah, I mean, just just a crazy thing. I, you know, weddings weddings during football season are just the bane of my existence. Um, as somebody, I, you know, again, I'll say it. I do plan my weekends around being able to watch football. Um, I really do. It is important to me. I enjoy NFL football. I enjoy college football, and I really enjoy betting on it and watching it and getting way too hype and watching that watching those games in just a quiet state of mind um was not the best but you know we got it done we still watched them and we sweated it out and you know plus 1532 on the the 14 parlay we hit it we took it home and you know it, it was a solid weekend but 
weddings on a Sunday. No bueno. <laughs> so, uh, that being said, since you had a big weekend, are you going to uh, hit a few more parlays cooked up in the in the back right now for this uh, Heels game this weekend? A little spooky. Always, Halloween. always cooking up a Halloween parlay. We don't know what it's going to be yet. Um, you know, I, I don't like making parlays early. I don't like making picks early in the week, especially uh, on a Tuesday night, Wednesday morning uh, when this comes out. But the UNC game is probably going to be in it. Uh, that's 64 points for the over. It's it's kind of it's kind of appetizing. Um, last week we did a couple of over under parlays. We had a couple giant, we had, like I said, the giants money line was in there. It's, it's just about finding value, finding games that you really like, and then just bundling them all together, getting better odds and just racking up the money. That's pretty good tips right there. I mean, yeah. And then once you start seeing the board, you just got to keep seeing the board. You got to trust yourself and you can't overthink it. You just got to make the picks. Um, you know, we'll probably, I think we should probably hop on maybe later this week and, and go through some more picks um, as we get through the, the week a little bit here. Yeah, that sounds good to me. You got to let them like grow inside you, you know, just like unleash them at the right time. You can't let the dogs out too early. I know. And, you know, I've been doing so good about like tweeting out picks and stuff, dude. I've, I've just been so like mentally not focused on the podcast. We we took the, the last couple of weeks off. I, I haven't been tweeting at tweeting as much and, and being engaged. Uh, so so got to do better there and, and make sure to to have the record for the picks. But Christian, uh, my my buddy, Chris, was he was tailing on Friday or on set Sunday with me. Um, and then. Then, dude, I made the biggest bonehead to move. Um, the F1 race was on Sunday, and I thought it was at 6 o'clock, so we were driving home from the wedding. Uh, we, we left the wedding at, like, 8 o'clock, and I saw it on my phone. And I was like, oh, shit, the wedding's on, or the, the fucking race is on. Like, let's go. I, I didn't miss the race. Um, and I started texting I started texting Chris about it, and he was like, dude, that race happened five hours ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, ah, all right, never mind. Disregard. So that's, that's like the hardest part with F1 for me is the times being all over the place. Like I know Aaron wakes up like super early to like watch them. And I'm just like, I, well, I like... it was in North. Well, it was in uh, Texas this week. So we had Texas race. So it was at like 3 p.m. Eastern time. But qualifying on Sunday was at 6 p.m. So I thought the race started at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Um, but yeah, no, I, I like my I like my F1 races in the morning, Sunday morning. I like to wake up, go get some bagels and sit on the couch and watch F1 while I cook up Sunday parlays. Um, and yeah, couldn't do that last week, but we still found the winners. Still found the winners. I didn't even see who won. Who won the race this week? Oh, Max. Max again. Ugh. He, like... they, they, uh, Red Bull actually wrapped up the Constructors' Cup, and now Max has also wrapped up the World Championship too. So nice. I did. I saw that uh, the co-founder of Red Bull and like the current owner of the team passed away too. Yeah, he did. He did. He uh, passed away Saturday night, Sunday morning ish. You know that some say he found his wings. <laughs> found his wings. Jesus. <laughs> but um i mean 
it's it's because of him. He's the you know he started slinging slinging Red Bulls back in the day, back in the 19, 1970s, just slinging Red Bulls, and then you know he was the one that kind of got them into to F one. He was the one that really pushed for Red Bull to be a, an F one brand, which. That, that that's always the F1 brand that it seems the most out of place to me as a company of energy drinks, but they know how to win races and they know how to build a race car. That's for sure. Yeah. I was definitely taken aback when I, when I was first like introduced to F1, like I didn't expect Red Bull to have a team, but I guess the more that I thought about it, like they really feel that like uh high octane, like very dangerous, like niche sports. No, yeah, I mean it's it's right up the the Red Bull alley of of sports to have, but I mean what a what a great racing like it, it's fun to watch, and it's not like I I don't know why it's different than NASCAR. Maybe it's because it's it's turning and stuff, but it's just enjoyable to watch the F one races. Is it like the same sense of like old school league where you feel like invested in like the racers? Because I know for me, like watching League of Legends stuff, it was like I relate to the players because I watch their vlogs, I watch their content, I kind of relate to them on a personal level. And I feel like with F1, they kind of do that with like the what is it, Drive to Survive? Uh, I mean, I think it's a little bit of that, but it's I don't know. It's just maybe it's I think it has to do with the convenient time to watch it. Um, you know, I'm much more likely to watch something uh, at 9 a.m. in the morning on a Sunday than at 3 p.m. on a Sunday afternoon. Um, and then it's just, it's intense, you know? They're they're racing fast. They're they're being aggressive and making making moves. Um, you know, it just, it just is different than different. Different than watching NASCAR, which just is something that I have never really been able to do uh, when it comes to TV watching. Yeah, definitely. Uh, even though I have a very limited experience with watching races, I watched them when I was like really young. Uh, but now I would much prefer to watch an F1 race because I feel like the the engineering behind it and like the the fact that you can like do different things to your car and like one team might say like, oh, we found a way to like shave a uh, make our car slightly more aerodynamic and then they start winning every single one of the races and then it's like that game of catch-up so i kind of like the the engineering behind it and like just the i guess it feels way more competitive than nascar because in nascar it feels like they're just going around in circles and just drifting off of people and there's no real like i'm sh- they are 100 percent more skillful at driving than i am but it just feels less skilled than f1 which reminds me of, like ricky bobby <laughs> where uh the guy comes over from f1 and completely kicks ricky bobby's ass <laughs> that is right he was an f1 racer wasn't he anytime i uh aaron starts talking about f1 it just reminds me of when he comes over and he's like i will kick your ass at the nascar i'm not even gonna attempt to make the the accent but it's just funny yeah what a banger of a movie what a banger of a movie very quotable and it's even more funny now that i know that was filmed in gastonia that's right gastonia's finest filmed at the mid motor town inn i love it well that's been another episode of sitting sports side the panthers are going back to the super bowl well maybe the super bowl definitely the playoffs and tennessee's gonna beat georgia and uh go win a championship thanks for listening